We give all the glory to God, don't we? Thankful for anointed worshipers like her. How about, aren't we? Aren't you thankful for her? I'm thankful. Thank you. God bless you. They're all doing a good job, aren't they? All right, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Of course, we're doing a series on the armor of God. And uh, we'll pick up with with that this morning. Uh, you can, If you've missed any of the sessions, you can go on the church website and get them for free and catch up if you've missed any. Um, very, very interesting topic. And so we're using for our foundational uh, text, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, the Apostle Paul writes the direction of the Holy Spirit. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And remember how you put on the armor. You do so by understanding what each piece of the armor is and by walking in the revelation and the light and the knowledge of that piece. And the whole armor of God. You don't want to just have a couple of pieces on. You want to have the whole armor on. You don't want to... In the morning when you get dressed, you're not going to just put your pants on and go out without your shirt, are you? You're going to put your pants, shirt, belt, shoes, the whole thing before you would go outside, hopefully anyway. And the same thing is true with the armor of God. Remember, it's His armor and He uh, provides it for us to wear. But we have to put it on. Uh, We receive the right to the armor when we're born again, but then it's up to us to put it on. And we've gone over all that with you. And why do we need it? That we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so we've talked to you about that. The the enemy, the, the devil and his cohorts. Remember, Jesus has already defeated them, but we must put the armor on and enforce that defeat as an occupying army of the Lord here in the earth. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having done all to stand, or having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, we talked about that, that's the written word of God. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, we talked about that last week. We're taking one Sunday for each piece here, you know, of armor. And we talked about the breastplate of righteousness last Sunday and then today. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's what we'll talk about today. But let me go ahead and finish reading here these next verses. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the spoken Word of God. The spoken Word. The belt of truth is the written Word. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, the spoken Word. We'll talk about that as we get to it. The difference between the two is the belt of truth is the written Word. 
and the sword of the Spirit is the spoken word of God. Then verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And of course, that's the lance that the Roman soldier would carry with him. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all per- perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, and remember these, these weapons. Paul, of course, being around Roman soldiers so much, being in prison and whatnot, he likened the armor of God to the armory or the weaponry of the uh, Roman soldier. Remember there's another verse we looked up that these weapons, see with the Roman soldier, the weapons were physical, natural weapons, but with us, our weapons, the armor of God, weapons are not carnal, but they're spiritual weapons, they're mighty in God. And we've talked to you about all of that. Uh, I did want to have you turn to Second Timothy verse 2, just to, we, we haven't looked this up yet, but before we get into the shoes of peace, Second Timothy 2 verse 3, I just wanted to point this out to you, Paul speaking to this younger minister, Timothy, he says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good what? Soldier of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4 says, No one entangled in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a what? Soldier. So if Timothy, a member of the body of Christ, is a soldier, then we're all soldiers in the army of the Lord, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And so just look this these verses up just to show you, give you scriptural proof that we are all soldiers in the army of the Lord Jesus, you see. So anyway, let's talk about the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace, if you notice verse 15 again, Ephesians six fifteen says, And having shod your feet, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, the shod, S-H-O-D, shod, uh, we don't really use that in, uh, in, in our culture. Does anybody use that word? And I, but uh, what it means is this. It's to bind something tightly on the, onto one's foot. In this, in this text here, in this passage here, Shod means uh, to bind something tightly on the bottom of one's foot. Uh, my wife gets on me all the time because I, you know, I run in the evenings uh, about six miles every day, I'm, and it's really helped my health. But uh, does anybody ever just you have tennis shoes and you just kind of slip into tennis shoes, and when you take them off, you just pull it. You don't untie them. You just pull your feet. Does anybody do that besides me? How many of you know? Technically, now technically, they tell me you're supposed to untie the shoes and pull your, slip your foot out. Is that right? Technically. But I've never done that ever since I've been a kid. If we get done with your shoes, you just take them off. You just, you just kind of slide them off, you know, and kick them in. How many does that? Did you ever do that? I'm glad I wore these kind of shoes today. Well, you're not supposed to do that, my wife tells me. You're supposed to untie them, you know, and then... When you go to put them on, see, I just take my tennis shoes and just slip them right on. I don't even ever tie them. But I started running about a year ago. And in the evenings, I'd start coming home with blisters. That's not good. And uh, long story short, she told me, you know, you need to put those shoes on and then tie them real 
tight and get them, get get that 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 shoe in that that your foot in the shoe and get it on there just right tight real tight so that the shoe won't move around and slip around and you know what I stopped having having blisters is that wonderful but see what 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 I was doing when I when I did, when I put my foot in there and tied up real tight I'm I guess I say it like this I'm shotting my foot with the shoe is that all right so that's what he's saying is put the, put the shoes on and put them on real tightly. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of, of peace. Now the Roman soldier, if we could put the picture of the Roman soldier up there. Let's see if they can get the picture uh, of the Roman soldier up there. And uh, I want to, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And I, and I pointed these different pieces of armor out to you. You know, I have done it over the last several weeks. But right here, see right there? And right here, those are his shoes. Pretty neat, huh? Those are his shoes. But then also something that you don't realize a lot of times with a Roman soldier, these were the shoes. So he has his feet shod, okay? But you see these, see that right there? And over here, you can't really see it. You can see a little bit over here. Those were called greaves, greaves, G-R-E-A-V-E-S, I believe is how you spell it, greaves. And they were technically a part of the Romans soldier, Roman soldier's shoes. So not just the shoes, but these were these greaves that went up over the kneecap, you know. I'd call them shin protectors. I used to be a catcher when I played baseball as a kid. I was a catcher. And I tell you what, I thank God for shin protectors. Because I'd have baseballs come in sometimes and the batter would foul one off. You know what I mean, foul one off? Hit a foul ball and you'd just hit your right there. And I tell you, if you didn't have that shin protector, it's bad, bad deal. And, and, and catching, uh, now I never wore uh, steel tip uh, shoes. I should have, but I didn't. And uh, when you're catching, if the batter hit, fouls one off and catches you right on the tip of your, your toe and you don't have steel tip shoes... Now, I tell you what, you'll start you have to put, put tears in your eyes. And, uh, but these uh, soldiers, the, the, the uh, shoes, and then these greaves were a part of the shoes. They were uh, made of brass. They were made of brass, metal. So they, they really provided great protection for the, uh, for the, for the, the soldier. Now, remember, as we look at this, uh, Paul is likening the armor of God, the shoes of peace, to the Roman soldier. So spiritually, God has provided shoes and greaves, shin protectors, for us spiritually. Okay. Now, let me tell you something about these shoes. The shoes and greaves that the Roman soldier wore, they, as I said, they were made of brass. Now, what you don't see from this picture here, but you need to know this, the shoes had spikes on the bottom of them. Sometimes they'd be anywhere from one to three inches in length. Now, you can't see it in the picture, and I should have gotten you a picture, but, but I just didn't. But you could study it out, check me out, but, or take my word for it. But they'd, underneath there on the bottom of their feet, they'd have spikes Several spikes, one to three inches long. And 
they were there for going up and down rocky terrain, for holding the soldier in place, to keep him from slipping while he was in a fight. The spikes would give him better traction when marching or when advancing on the enemy. Also, he would use the spikes to kick the enemy, you know, kick the enemy, kick him in the head or wherever. Now, you know, you, you sit there and say, oh my goodness. And, and, but remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we are in a wrestling match, if you will, with the enemy. Jesus has defeated the enemy. He's defeated the devil, but we're here as an occupying force in the earth to enforce what Jesus has already done. And, and remember, we talked to you about the Roman wrestling matches and the boxing matches. Not like what you see on television, all right? Now, on television, wrestling's fake. Maybe you had to come to church to hear that this morning, get that revelation. My grandma thought it was real. She did. She'd throw things at the television set and yell at it, scream at it. Boxing is real, I think. Muhammad Ali, that was real. But, you know, the wrestling at the chase, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, that was not real. But the Roman wrestling, and that, that was real. And it would be a fight to the finish, and it got ugly in there. Blood and all kinds of stuff going Eyes laying on the... I mean, they'd break arms, all sorts of stuff. But see, you need to realize the devil wants to come and kill you and steal from you and destroy you. And we need to have this armor on so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. So the soldier... So this is serious business here, serious stuff what we're studying. Knowing what we're talking about can save your life, okay? So those, those shoes had spikes in them. And then, of course... And you need to realize, and you'll see this as we go, that these shoes and all of this armory, or most all of it, see, I was taught as a kid that all of the armory was defensive except the sword. But that was incorrect teaching. A lot of this armory is not just defensive, but also offensive, and we'll see that, and we saw it last week with the breastplate of righteousness. But you can see those shoes of peace, if you're kicking your enemy... Now, how many of you know you shouldn't be kicking your husband or your wife? Is that right? You ought to be kicking the devil in the head. Is that right? But, but how many of you know that's when you're kicking the devil in the head, that's offensive, isn't it? Right? You're, you're kicking him in the head. But you'll see as we go through here that, this, that, that these shoes were meant for defense and offense, okay? Now, as I said, the greaves are those shin protectors. They protected the soldier's shins. Now, you need to realize this. One enemy tactic, one enemy tactic was when an enemy of this soldier would come up to the enemy, I'm sorry, when the enemy would come up to the soldier, all right, the soldier's enemy would approach him, what they would often try to do is if the soldier showed up and he didn't have those greaves on, the enemy would try to kick him in the shin and break and snap his leg. And then once your leg goes out and the soldier's laying down, then the enemy could take his sword and cut the soldier's head off. You say, oh, that's gruesome. That's awful. That's what the devil wants to do to you. He's not a nice, nice individual. Okay? So you need to know some things about this armory. So, so that's why the soldier had those greaves on was to keep the enemy from breaking his leg. Also... Sometimes the soldier would have to go through thorn bushes and whatnot. 
I grew up on, on a, a farm, you know, more or less. It had been a farm, but then it kind of grew over, and there was thorn bushes everywhere. Have you ever gone through a thorn? Run, you're running along, you go through thorns. It's no fun. You, you'd wish you had some greaves on, some shin protectors. But that's one of the reasons the soldier would wear the greaves. And so, anyway, the shoes of peace. The shoes, the spikes, and then the, the shin protectors. And as I've already talked about shoes a little bit, but would you agree with me that shoes are an, an important part of your wardrobe? Now, the ladies all said, amen. I mean, ladies like shoes. Is, is that right? Ladies do like shoes. But, you know, I found shoes to be important, you know, like running. I already talked about that. Uh, in fact, uh, I just recently got a new pair of, uh, uh, on Father's Day, I got a new pair of Shoes, they're, they're called the Nike Ghost. Have you ever heard of them? And I got those on. And I tell you what, they, they cost a lot of money, but they're worth every penny because I put those on and I don't even know that they're on. Just like running on clouds. And, and, and it, it's just so nice to have the right pair of shoes. I remember years ago when I w- was teaching school, I used to be a school teacher and uh, taught mathematics at the junior high and high school and junior high school, uh, junior high, high school and junior college. I like the junior college the best, but uh, sometimes I teach all day, and by the end of the day, my feet would just because I didn't have good, good shoes on, and, and and I just got tired of it. I went out and spent the money and bought a good pair of shoes, and I tell you what, it made all the difference, you know, just in standing on your feet and whatnot. Uh, and then like playing golf, you know, sometimes I play golf and. When I was a kid growing up, I, I never could really afford a decent pair of golf shoes. So I always had golf shoes, but they, you know, just was just what I could afford. And I tell you what, you'd go out and it'd just start drizzling and the grass get a little wet. And you're, have you ever had wet feet and you have to walk around with wet feet? That's no good. But now I've got a decent pair of golf shoes. And I tell you what, as long as the water doesn't get up over this, this, this lip here, I tell you what, you can walk, I can walk around in water all, all day long and my feet just stay just as dry and warm. So shoes are important, aren't they? They're, they're important. You, you, you don't want to get blisters and you don't want, you don't want to, have you ever had shoes on and, um, well, like when there's snow out there, would you want to go out in dress shoes or boots? I mean, you know, some boots, you know. And uh, like if you have to walk on something that's a little icy, wouldn't some spikes come in handy? They come in handy, wouldn't they? And I remember my brother years ago, back many years ago, he used to climb poles for AT&T. He was a pole climber and go up and work on the... And, and I remember he'd put on uh, uh, shoes that had like big old spikes on them, you know. And I'd watch him. He'd put that belt around the, the, the pole and he'd climb up, climb up the tree. Now, have you ever seen the pole climbers on those uh, log shows, you know, on where they... With the chainsaw, anybody's ever seen that? Now, now... Are they going to have a better chance going up those poles with shoes like I have on now or if they got spikes on them? Spikes. So you can see shoes are all important. And so uh, while sometimes these shoes of peace get overlooked because a lot of times people don't pay attention much to shoes, shoes are very important, okay? And uh, also, too, as we get into this, you'll see that, that each piece, all these pieces of, of armory, all these pieces of armory interworked with one another. In other words, you know, you know, like the belt. We started with the belt of the belt of truth. Remember, we showed you that if this soldier didn't have that belt on, it would affect the rest of his armory. His armory wouldn't stay on right. So you see that all these different pieces of armory are they kind of interwork with one another. Now, 
said all that to say this. So, it, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel or the good news of peace, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this one down. This is pretty good here. All Christians, we're talking about the peace of God. These are shoes of peace. Say that, say that it'll help you. Say shoes of peace. Say it one more time. Shoes of peace. Now, these are shoes of what? Of peace. Very important piece of armory here. Shoes of peace. Now, you might want to write this down. All Christians have peace with God, but few Christians have the peace of God. Did you get that? All Christians have peace with God, but few Christians have the peace of God. Now, Romans 5 verse 1, let's, uh, let's, let's put that up on the screen. Romans 5 verse 1, and I encourage you to bring your Bibles and look in your Bibles and, you know, whether it's you have the book form or if it's on your phone or iPad or whatever, always check me out, check the screen out, be sure that everything's in line with your Bible. But notice, therefore, having been justified by faith, remember that word justified means to be declared righteous, and we talked about the breastplate of righteousness last week. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, peace with God. You see that? So when you receive Jesus as your Savior, you repent of your sins and you receive Jesus as your Savior, make Him the Lord of your life, you have peace with God. In other words, I hope these don't smell... (laughs) But when you get born again, guess what? God gives you a new pair of, and they're His shoes because it's the armor of God, and He wants you to wear them. And they're shoes of peace. And so when you get born again, God provides you with the shoes of peace. Now, do I have, now look up here, good example. Do I have these shoes? Do I have them? Yes. Do I have them on? I don't have them on. Now, I had them on a moment ago, didn't I? But do I have them on now? Are they just as much mine now as they were a moment ago when I had them on? Now, there's a good illustration. Have you ever been in, one, in peace one moment, out of peace the next? Good illustration. I had my shoes on just a moment ago. Now they're not on. I had peace on just a moment ago, but now I don't. See, it's not enough just to have the shoes these aren't going to do me any good if I have them in my hand, right? They're not going to do me any good if I have them sitting up there. They're only going to do me good, especially if I have to walk on gravel or something. They're only going to do me any good if I, what, I have them, I have to put them on. You've you got to put them on. How do you put on the armor of God? Understand what each piece is and walk in the revelation and the knowledge of that piece. So you see, when we get born again, God gives us... His shoes. But we've got to learn some things about the shoes and how they work. And uh, just like you had to learn to tie your shoes. How many of you, we talked about that earlier. Did you have to learn to tie the shoes? Right. So you have to take the shoes and learn how they work and put them on. You know, these are easy. You slide them on. But uh, you understand that. And so there's a difference between having the shoes and having them on. So when we're born again, we have peace with God. But notice Colossians 3.15, Colossians 3.15. 
Notice Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace, what? The peace of God. See, there's a difference between, and just leave that up for a moment, there's a difference between having, the, having peace, peace with God and having the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. But let's get the first part of that. And let, let the peace of God... See, all Christians have the shoes, but this verse here, the verse we had before was talking about getting the shoes. This verse talks about putting them on. See that second word up there? What's that second word? Let. That's something you have to do. You have to what? Let the peace of God. What's the next word? Rule in the Greek that word means umpire. What does an umpire do? The umpire calls safe and out. Right? So you need to let the peace of God be the umpire in your life and in your heart. That's something let that let. You have to learn some things about the peace of God and then let that peace call the shots in your life. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. So so is there a difference between having peace with God and the peace having the peace of God? Yes. Just being a Christian, you have peace with God, but you have the shoes, but to put the shoes of peace on, you're going to have to let the peace of God umpire or call the shots in your life. Now, let me just give you this. As I said to you, all Christians have the shoes of peace, but all don't have them on. How do you put the shoes of peace on and keep them on? Well, I've already told you, you understand some things about them, walk in the revelation in light of, of them. But let me give you a verse that will help you even further. We said the word let, but that's a little vague to us. So let's go to Isaiah 26.3 and it will help, help you better with this. It will help you better with this peace. How do you put these shoes on? Isaiah 26.3 will help you with this. You will, some, uh, verse somebody, some Christians, all Christians, all Christians ought to get a hold of this verse. You, speaking of God, will keep him in perfect peace whose what? Mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How do you put the shoes of peace on and keep them on? You fix your mind on who? On on God, on the Lord Jesus, on the Holy Spirit and His what? His written word. And you know as well as I do, if you've been a Christian any length of time, a bad situation comes up. And remember we talked about being in peace one moment, out of peace the next. Bad situation comes up and your mind will start going all over the place. Is that right? But the moment you fix your mind on the Lord and His word, guess what? Peace will come. But then, then, then the devil's there and he'll try to, you know, we'll see in a moment, Jesus put him under our feet, but he'll try to stick his head out from under our feet once in a while and he'll start talking things, thoughts, you know. Have you ever had your mind race when something bad's going on? That's the, that's the devil there, you know, throwing thoughts, fiery darts at your mind. He said, Pastor, wait a minute. We're not talking about the helmet of salvation. We're talking about the shoes of peace. What did I tell you a while ago? These pieces work in conjunction with one another, don't they? I mean, you don't put your shoes on without your mind 
doing something, your brain. Is that right? Telling, telling your hands to do what? To put your shoes on. See, so these pieces work, inter, 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 they interact with one another. But your, your mind will go all over the place when something bad happens. But what, what is the, you see something bad happens, first thing you want to do is take your shoes off and start thinking the worst. But what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to put on the, what? The shoes of peace, put those babies on. How do you do it? How do you do it? You do it by fixing your mind on God and His Word. You okay? Are you all right with that? Now, all right, now we've talked about these shoes being defensive and, and offensive weapons. Um, talked about the preparation of the gospel of peace. We'll talk about the, that a little bit here in a moment, preparation. But, you know, you need to be prepared to use the shoes of peace at any given moment in a defensive way and in an offensive way. Let's talk about the defensive way first. And this is so vital. The peace of God allows one who has it. Now, let me explain that. Do we all have access to the shoes of peace? Yes, as Christians. But we need to put them on. I'm a, I'm a teacher, so repetition is a seed of learning. Okay, Got to put them on. These shoes as defensive weapons are so vital, so important to all of us as Christians because the peace of God allows the Christian who has the shoes on to endure the toughest situations of life. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 bear this out. So let's turn there and look at, look at these verses. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It says this, Be anxious or be worried or fretful for what? For... For what? For does nothing mean nothing? It means nothing. But in everything, but in everything by what? By prayer and supplication. We'll talk about that when we talk about the lance of prayer. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the what? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will do what? Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, let's leave that verse right there. The peace of God, the peace of God, these shoes of peace are so important, dear friends, because it's these shoes. Now, it's not when they're in the closet. It's not when they're under your bed. It's not where, when they're in the garage. It's when you have them wear. Have them on. How do you put them on and keep them on? You fix your mind on God and His Word. On the Lord Jesus, you know. And when you do that, you keep your mind fixed on Him and His Word, then the peace of God... Now, that's not talking just about a Christian. That's talking about a Christian that has the shoes on. What will that, and, and by the way, that peace surpasses all understanding. What will it do? If you'll let it, it will what? Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
That's defensive. Because we live in this world, and if you're like me, you've come up on a situation that was terrible, horrible, it's happened to you. Has anything horrible, terrible ever happened to anybody in here besides me? And now if you don't have your shoes on, your shoes apiece, it's, it, I mean, it's already bad, but it's just worse because you have nothing to defend yourself with. But you have the shoes on apiece, and you, you fix your mind on God and His Word, and you let that peace rule in your heart, umpire in your heart, it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus, and, that, and that's good. And that peace surpasses all understanding. Have you ever had anybody say to you, I don't know how you're going through that. I don't know how you're making it through that so well. I don't understand. I don't understand how you're getting through that. I've had people say that to me. When I've had something bad happen in my life and, you know, and, I, and I'm making it right through and they say, I don't, I, I don't understand how you're making that. Well, it's simple. The peace of God, what does it surpass? All understanding. I think of that woman that, Tia Coleman. You know who she is? Lost nine family members, three of her little children, in that duck boat accident in Branson a couple days ago. And she's on television giving an interview yesterday. I mean, I'm just just in tears, you know, just want to do something for her, pray for her, certainly. And I'm thinking, how in the world is she able to give that interview? And she loves the Lord, by the way. She must have her shoes of peace on because I don't understand how she is able to even speak and give an interview. You understand? Why is that? And what a lovely lady she is just from the little I know of her. And we keep her in your prayers, by the way. But what, what is, what, she must have her shoes on because she's able to even function. How could she do that? I don't understand how she can do that. What gives her the strength? It's because she must have her, she's a Christian, clearly, but she also has her shoes on. How, I don't understand how she's able to have the peace about, well, that peace surpasses what? All understanding. Do you see how vital and important this piece of weaponry is? Very important, isn't it? The shoes of peace enable us to maintain a firm footing when the devil attacks. The shoes of peace hold us in place. The shoes of peace allow us, remember having done all the stand, stand therefore, the shoes of peace allow us, they have spikes on the bottom to get our stance Firm foundation and not be moved. Not be what? Not be, remember that song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Well, if you don't have your shoes of peace on, you're going to be moved. But if you got the shoes of peace on, the winds can blow and the storms can come and this can happen and that can happen and whatnot. And it's, you can be like those trees over there in the tropics. Remember when the hurricanes come through and those trees will just bend almost to the ground. But once the storm goes by, the trees come right back up, you see. Right? We need to be like those trees, don't we? And we can be if we've got our shoes of peace on with our spikes in the ground and the devil can throw whatever he wants at us and we stand there and we're talking about the shoes of peace. We've got some other weaponry, you know, but we're talking about the shoes of peace today. You see how important those shoes are, do you? 
<clears throat> See, the Bible tells us, and I won't look up the scriptures, but it tells us to stand in faith. We can look them up, but listen, have you ever heard about stand in faith? And I believe in that. But it is the peace of God that makes the stand endurable. The shoes of peace, those spikes, hold us in place and keep, keeps us from slipping and falling. So the shoes of peace are a vital, they're, they're a vital part of God's weaponry that we have to have on as defense. Because there's a lot of turmoil in the world, isn't there? The Bible talks in Ephesians 6 about the evil day. Well, we're certainly living in an evil day, aren't we? A lot of t- tumultuous things going on. And you could say that of basically any time that you've looked back over the last many, you know, thousands of years. But, but we do live in a tumultuous time. You need the shoes of peace. Now let's close the message in the next few minutes about talking about these shoes as an offensive piece of weaponry. Okay, offensive and then we'll close. So give me just a few more minutes. Let's go to Romans 16, 20. I'm going to read the first part of that. It says this, And the God of peace, well, I like this, And the God of peace will crush Satan, that's the devil, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now let's leave that up there. And the God of peace, now Paul is writing to the Romans, he's closing up his letter to the Romans, and he says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Now, I studied into this in the the original language, in the Greek, you know. And when I do talk about Greek with you, I always try to keep it simple. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read a concordance. And it's interesting. This word shortly here, it says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Sounds good to me, doesn't it? That's a good deal. Shortly, to me, implies it's something that God is going to do in, a, in the very near future. But that's not what this is saying in the, in the Greek. It does not mean something that will happen in the very near future. But this word, shortly, had the implication of Roman soldiers marching in unison, making short, fast, heavy steps so that you could hear them coming and they were trained to never stop for anyone. Roman soldiers, a band of Roman soldiers. If someone fell on the road in front of them, they were trained to march over them and trample them under their spikes. Now, of course, our wrestling match is not with flesh and blood, but how many of you know there's a devil out there and demons and whatnot? And so the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet Shortly, what this is really saying is that, now how many of you know, and, and, and I need to go to this next verse to really explain what, what he's really saying here. So let's go to Ephesians 1.20. We've read it already in a previous session, but you need to hear it again. Ephesians 1.20, which he, God the Father, worked in Christ, that's Jesus Christ, his son, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things under his what? His feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, now if you're born again, you're a member of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this verse tells us that God 
when he raised Jesus from the dead, he put Satan somewhere. Where did he put him? Under our what? Our feet. So where is the devil located? I mean, he's located spiritually where? Under our feet. Now, having said that, let's go back to Romans 16.20. Let's go back to Romans 16.20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. What Paul was really telling the Romans here was this. I'll put it in my own words. He was not saying to them, hey, God's going to come and crush Satan here in, a, here in the near future. He wasn't saying that. In the Greek, what he was saying is he was saying to the Romans here, he was saying, hey, God has already crushed Satan, and he crushed him, and he put him under your feet, and now what you're supposed to do, Romans, Christians in Rome, Christians in St. Louis, Christians in Fenton, God has already crushed the devil and put him under your feet. Now you're supposed to stand there with your shoes of peace on with those spikes and you're supposed to maintain the crush. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Say maintain the crush. Glory to God. You know the devil standing on too many Christians crushing them when all the time Jesus has already crushed the devil and put him under our feet. Now we need to rise up and put our shoes on and stand in the righteousness that God has given us through Christ and we're supposed to stand on top of the devil on top of his ugly head and maintain the what? Maintain the crush. Say maintain the crush. Glory to God. Maintain the crush. Glory to God. I like that. That excites me. Praise God. The devil's under our feet. He rears his ugly head, sticks his ugly ugly head out from under our feet. We take our shoes apiece with those long spikes on them. Bless God. And we maintain the what? What do we maintain? The what? Maintain the crush. Amen. I like that. Glory to God. Reminds me when I was teaching junior high. Six, six hour every day, had a cool class. And I come in there with my Diet Coke bottle. And, and I drink it, you know, as I was teaching a class, I probably should, you know, there's a lot of things I get fired for now if I was teaching school. But I was teaching, you know, and, and right five minutes, because they'd be working on their, you know, I teach for about 20 and then give them a homework assignment. And, and, and the last five minutes, we did this every day for a whole year. <laughs> I drank a lot of Diet Coke. Um, I'd take my bottle and I'd set it on my desk and they knew it was coming every day. And I had a trash can just to the right of my desk. And about five minutes from the end of the bell, and they never left when the bell rang, they left when I dismissed them. But this class, it was a little different. I dismissed them a little different way. I would, five minutes from the time bell rang, I'd because I'd, I drank the soda, it was sitting on my desk. I'd take the bottle, I'd take the top off. You know that little ring that's there? You know, I'd pull that up, I'd twist it up, crush it, put it in the bottle. Then I'd take the wrapper off, you know, the wrapper. I'd crush it up, put it in the bottle. Then I'd put the lid back on the bottle, but I left just enough so that so the air... There's an, and then I'd start crushing the thing. And I crushed it, and I crushed it, and I crushed it. And I crushed it all. I was having fun with these kids. I'd crush it all the way as much as I could crush it. And then I'd set it on my desk and I'd sit in my chair and I'd put my feet on my desk. And then the bell would ring for the class to be over and nobody moved. 
Because class wasn't over till Mr. Shield took his feet and took the crushed can and moved it over and it fell in the trash can. And we did that for, we had the biggest time with that. Those kids loved that. And one day I'm standing in the cafeteria and these three boys came up to me from that class. And they said, Mr. Shield, you think, I'm just telling you a story. Can I tell you a story, can I? They brought me, <laughs> they brought me a, they brought me not a soda bottle, but a Diet Coke can. And they said, Mr. Shield, one of our dads runs a dump truck, and we took this trash can out, and he run, the, it was a cement truck, he run the cement truck over the top of the can. And I mean that can was, I mean, you, you know how thin a dime is? It was, I mean, that, that, that baby was crushed. They said, Mr. Shield, you think you can crush a Coke bottle? We'll show you what crush is all about. And they showed me that, and I thought, I should have kept that in my souvenir box. But I know, I just thought about that when I was teaching this here, when I was preparing to teach this here. You know, Jesus absolutely pulverized the devil through his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. Absolutely pulverized him. The Bible says he spoiled prince principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. So that word spoil means he brought them to naught. He stripped them. Can you say amen? Absolutely pulverized them. This word crusher in the Greek actually it also uh, the word crusher means means to, 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 to pulverize. Let me just read what it means here. Let me find. It means like smashing grapes, you know. You know, it, it, breaking bones where they're not mendable, where they're beyond recognition, ground almost to powder. That's what Jesus Jesus did through his death and his shed blood, his burial, his resurrection from the dead. Praise God. He absolutely spoiled, disarmed, brought to naught, stripped the devil and demons and all of, all of the devil's cart. Absolutely stripped them, pulverized them, crushed them, absolutely crushed them and then put them under our feet. And then he tells us to stand with just, I mean, he, how many of you know Jesus crushed the devil worse than, than, that, than that soda can, bless God, under the cement truck? I mean, crushed him, put him under our feet, then said, take the shoes of ease, stand on him with those spikes, and keep him there, and maintain the what? The what? Maintain the what? Maintain the crush. We, as an occupying force, Jesus did all the work. We do the easy stuff. We stand there with the shoes of peace, occupying force. We maintain the crush and keep the devil where he belongs. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. That excites me. This is one of the missions of the church, to keep the devil crushed under our feet. Now I need to close this. Let's go to Romans 10, verse 13. I don't want to preach too long. Very quickly, just a, just a couple more of these, real quick. The shoes of peace as an offensive weapon is to maintain the crush. We've already talked about that, but then here's something else. You can't talk about the shoes of peace without saying this. These are soul winner shoes. Another way you can know if you have the shoes of peace on, are you a soul winner? If you're not look, going out telling people about Jesus wherever, you know, just in your world, just, just, just sharing the gospel with people. That's one way we can know whether or not you or I have these shoes on. Because people that wear these shoes, yes, they have the peace of God as defense, they, but they stand, they crush the devil offense, but they also go out and tell people about the Lord Jesus just in their daily life. I'm not saying you have to stand on a street corner with a blowhorn. I'm not saying that. But I am saying you have to go out and be telling people about the Lord. That's why we ask you to pass these tracks out. Give one out a week or lay some one somewhere or do something because we want to have our shoes on. If you got your shoes on, you'll be eager to pass these out, right? 
tell people about the Lord. Look at this. Romans 10, verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach, what? The gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You see, these are shoes of peace. Yes, defensive, but you see how they're used offensively here? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. If you have these shoes on, you'll be sharing the gospel of peace. Telling people about Jesus. And telling them they don't have to go to hell, they can go to heaven by receiving Him and obtaining peace with God. Amen? Now look at First Peter we, I could preach an hour on that. First Peter 3.15. Remember where, where it said pr- the preparation of the gospel of peace? Look at this. First Peter 3.15. I'm going to read this in the NIV. Watch this. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be what? Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you and to give a reason for the hope that you have. See, if you have the shoes of peace on, you'll always be prepared to tell people why you have joy in your heart. That's how my wife got saved years ago in high school. She had not a very good upbringing, her very lot of sadness, and she was just in a bad way, weren't you? As she sat there and she asked some girls in high school who had some joy about them, said, how come you have so much joy and happiness about you? And they were prepared to give her an answer. They said, because we know Jesus. And she said, I want what you've got. And she got saved. Isn't that wonderful? See, they had the shoes of peace on. They were prepared. If you have the shoes of peace on, you're going to be prepared to tell people about Jesus. I like 2 Timothy 4.2, NIV. Preach the word, be prepared, in season, out of season, and so forth. We always need to be prepared to tell people about Jesus. So anyway... I'm done. I just want to leave you with this. Go to John 14, 27. I just thought these were two good verses. Did you get anything out of this today? It's, it's, it's interesting, don't you think? We got more pieces to go. So just keep on coming and we'll keep, we'll keep on going through this armory. John 14, 27. Jesus said, our Lord said, peace I leave with you. This is right before he went to the cross. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Let, oh, there's that word, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So there he gives us the shoes of peace from a defensive, and then in Mark 16, 15, right before he ascends to the right hand of the Father, he says to his disciples who are a representative group of you and me, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There it's offensive. 